Welcome in to another edition of Banter Clock, where you come for the banter. No, you come, you come for the banter and you stay for the knowledge. Yes, that's what we do here on Banter Clock. We got a lot lined up. It was one of the craziest Premier League weekends probably in a long time. I mean, possibly that I've ever seen. It's flabbergasted me as someone who watches Liverpool. I'm sure it's flabbergasted Alvin as well as someone who watches United. Probably Michael and Nick. Because what the heck just happened? Before that, before we talk about the Premier League, let's talk about some Americans. Gio Reyna, boys. I, I mean, we might have to stop talking about him if he keeps doing this. But he had a hat-trick of assists. Him and Holland are literally just Hernan Crespo and Kaká right now. Like, I, I, very <laughs> unstoppable. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, we talked about him last week. But you can't not talk about this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I think what's, what – like kind of took my breath away personally was the fact that they weren't just like easy assists. I mean, these were like passes that had perfect weight on them. I mean, there was through defenders legs. I mean, it was just, it was a masterclass and he was a, he was in a league above everyone else. Yeah. Um, and and this, and this is a Dortmund team that has, you know, stars like Marco Royce, Holland, Torgan Hazard. I mean, great attacking players. And he just looked like he was in another world. So I think, um, I think he was just extremely impressive. I mean, a hat-trick of assists, again, these weren't any easy assists. He was moving with the ball well, perfect weight on, on his passes. I mean, he's only 17. We've talked about it before. He's just – he's incredible. I mean, yeah, I think that's the most important – that's the craziest piece of it. He's 17. Like, you know, he's younger than all of us. And he's looking like a, you know, a, a prime uh, – you, know, you know, a Di Maria. You know, it, 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 to be honest, it's something special. And as we said before, we just got to remember the influence that this is happening because, of course, this is a season a bunch of American youngsters are popping out. And he's, like, leading the way. He, he has to, he's shining, and he's proving that, this, you know, Americans can continue to shine in Europe. And it's extremely exciting. So if he's only, only 17, we're got, oh, over here talking about him, you know, two or three years older than him, the heck happened to us? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, when I was seventeen. I mean, my gosh! I mean, this is just ridiculous. He continues to do this at such a young age. Oh my goodness! It just makes me salivate. I mean, oh my gosh! Cheers to him! Oh my gosh! <laughs> what? What is happening over there in your house, Nick? Yeah, <laughs> you should have just right. We can't yeah. He's he's mixing a little something in the sprite. But no, in all seriousness, yeah, as you said, you know, Gio Reyna is just so, you know, it's just like one of those players, Ethan, we've talked about this, you know, a wonder kids that are just, you know, the energy about them that you're attracted to watch and they lead the way. And it's, as I said, it's just, it makes me so happy to see a player like that. And especially, you know, the Reina family, as he said, been through some hardships. Boski, you know, we had talked about the how Jack Reina passed away. I was actually at Red Bulls. I was watching a Red Bulls versus Union game the day that that happened. They announced it in the stadium, and I remember that. Who would have known that he's going to pass, a, you know, bring on a legacy for the family? And it's just it's beautiful, if you ask me. Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the things that's so crazy about it is. For so long, I mean, I'm not even that long, but for a while, it was captain 
America was Pulisic. And it's just how fast people have turned to like, well, this Reina guy is actually the future because he's even better than Pulisic. When someone like Pulisic was, I mean, that was a dream for American fans. It was like, he was the best player that is ever going to play for U.S. men's national team. And now this guy comes along a couple of years later. He's 17 years of age, like we're saying. I mean, at 17, I, I'm pretty sure I was sitting on the bench on varsity at my high school. <laughs> Yeah, opening FIFA packs, like, but in my actual soccer world, like, of course, okay, maybe I was the captain and I was good on my club team, but like, in terms of high school, I'll sit the bench on varsity. Like, this man is doing things, and I think the biggest part about it is what you said, Alvin, just the awareness that he is giving to American populations and just people around the country that this is something that you could really go and do. And people are going to love you for it because a lot of people around this country are falling in love with Gio Reyna, as well as another player that we're about to talk about. Serginio Dest made his debut for Barcelona. First player ever to play for Barcelona's wow. American. I mean, just, just to say that sentence is yeah, absolutely absurd. We'll go to Bosky for this one as the Barca guy. Oh, uh, yeah. It was actually – it was a pretty incredible moment um, because – I mean, not only did I really never think a player, like a U.S. player, be playing for Barcelona. I mean, a U.S. player playing alongside Messi and some of the greatest players you've ever seen is just – it's incredible. I mean, honestly – and he looks, like the, he looks like the player that could really make a difference in this team. He's not just going to be one of those guys that is there for almost a PR stint, if you will. I mean, he looked good. He didn't get much time. He only got about 20 minutes. But he, he, he made a few plays. He set up Messi – uh, once um, Messi did miss the shot, I was disappointed. But, I mean, he looked like he definitely belonged in La Liga, definitely looked like he belonged to the Barcelona team. And I'm really excited to see what he's going to do and how um, Barcelona is going to use his creativity because he is a very creative uh, fullback, um, which is rare, very rare, um, especially for Bar fullbacks that Barcelona has gotten in the past. I mean, outside of maybe Danny Alves, there really hasn't been a creative fullback in a while, I would say. So I'm really excited to see who this kid has. He's only 20 years old, so the future looks really bright. Yeah. And notice how we're saying, like, we're, we're saying American players, not just in Europe, not just in, Euro, in, in European countries, not just in the big five leagues in Europe, but in places like Barcelona, in places like Dortmund. I think the American influence is finally not trying to make its way into the elite clubs of Europe. And I, and I think that is going to be such a big difference for American soccer going forward that, yes, Americans can get the opportunities to play on the world's biggest stages, on the world's biggest clubs, and kind of reap the benefits of the coaching, of the experience of playing with some of the world's best players. This is something that's going to benefit American soccer for a long, long time. And hopefully we never, ever lose to Trinidad again. And, yes, I will never, ever forgive those guys for doing that. What a shame that was. But you know what? The progress we've made since then has been enormous. I believe that was a catalyst now. Yeah, it's just it's, – it's incredible, really, to see American players now on that spotlight in club. Whether they're able to translate that to international play – we don't know, but let's just soak in the fact that we're getting to see American players with the world's greatest clubs. Yeah, I think it's sort of like, a, as you guys said, I agree with you. It's also an interesting situation because we get to see, I mean, this is 
Barcelona, as you said, Dortmund, Bayern Munich. Um, and these are young players. I think it's important to remember that careers are long and anything can happen. Reina gets injured. We can <laughs> news tomorrow, uh, Reina, you know, with a crucial ACL injury. Everything changes, you know? And so it's like we have to remember that this is like uh, some maybe to maybe shift out who should be at the top and who should, should be at the bottom. And it's important because American players really haven't been in that situation before. We'll see what happens if they can handle the pressure. But these are some big shirts, and I don't, I don't think it's uh, – we can't go without saying that it's a lot of pressure to handle. Yeah, and I, mean, I think there's – you brought up the side that they're young and their careers could change. There's also the side that they're young and they're at these clubs already that early in their career. I mean, you look at the ages of the players we're talking about. G. Ray, like we said, is 17. Tadino Dest is 19. Pulisic is only 22. He's already wearing number 10 for Chelsea. And then the next guy we're talking about, Chris Richards, is 20, starting for Bayern Munich and getting an assist, possibly getting two assists if it wasn't offsides. Chris mm -hmm. Richards is another player. We're talking about these young players. He, Alvin, you just said it before we got on, so why don't you just kind of talk about that? I mean, yeah, Chris Richards, I was uh, – it's such a coincidence. Like I said, I was uh, kind of uh, – I follow Rising Ballers on Instagram. They do some really great – I recommend it, you know, really great uh, profiles on some young young kids and I was there was looking at his story and you know it's like a youngster that in 2016 you know playing Alabama high school 2017 was already you know playing for academy and then went to to FC Dallas Academy next thing you know he's uh, starting in the Audi Cup for FC Bayern the next year and it took him a couple of years obviously to get integrated into the team but this is uh, real talent you know big strong pacey center back that is, you know, if you look at someone like John Brooks, who I think is one of the best center backs that the U.S. has produced, kind of blows him, he, what the potential he has could blow him out of the, out of the race, you know? Uh, it could be a really deadly duo to have together. Uh, we, as I said before, we just got to see what happens, but I really like him, and he seems like he's another special talent to have in the Bundesliga. For sure. Um... Uh, I, this is a little off topic from Americans, but it, it's it's kind of amazing to see how um, players that are coming from like CONCACAF and MLS are really making an impact in Europe, which I find amazing. I mean, who who would have thought five, even five years ago, that players from the MLS would be making an impact on some of the biggest clubs, and in my opinion right now, the best club in the world, Bayern Munich. I mean, Alfonso Davies, he's not American, but I mean, he's taken the world by storm. Obviously, Chris Richards is on his way, I believe, to becoming the best U.S. defender we've had as far as a, a central defender. I mean, he looks fantastic. Like Alvin said, he's pacey. He, he's strong. He, he can pass the ball well, as we, as we saw in the, in the last game. And it's just exciting to see all these players going to, uh, like Nick said, not only just clubs in Europe, but we're talking about Bayern Munich, Barcelona, some of the best clubs in the world. No, yeah, I'll answer your... Sorry, sorry. Let me say I'll answer your question, Bosky. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it just shows that I think people are paying attention now to MLS. They're paying attention, and it's not just the watch. They're actually looking at the players themselves. And like, massive credit to MLS for that, you know, being able to give their players sort of a, 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 a light, and now other clubs are starting to look into MLS for players they can use. I mean, who would have thought that was possible? And, I mean, that's just sort of the growth of what MLS has become. And it's no longer 
really it's just a retirement league. Like you can actually get players out of there, try to insert them, and actually play with them, and have them play pretty decent as well. Alvin, were you gonna say something? No, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say a little shout out to Argentina. I can just say like Argentine players, uh, like Piti Martinez, Ezequiel Barco, um, you know, Alvaro Barrial just went to FC Cincinnati. Just like a, a lot of little, uh, little, you know, young, really good pro, uh, prospects are going to MLS, seeing it as a stepping stone to Europe, uh, and that's something that's changed, you know, in the past couple of years completely. And I think that's something that is definitely influencing that kind of change. And, you know, shout out to Atlanta United. I think they really incorporated <laughs> some of that. It just really changed the culture. But, you know, it's really, I think it, that has to have some influence because it's showing the MLS is kind of a place, a breeding ground for, for young players to go and, and get better. It's no longer being looked at as a retirement home or, you know, as they used to say. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's what I was going to say before you took the words right out of my mouth. As someone who's watched Atlanta United, it was, I mean, it's, it's a completely, what they did was just, it was completely different than anything anyone's ever seen. So that's why, like, Atlanta were the huge new thing. And then when you look, I think the biggest turning point for Atlanta United was when Almiron went to Newcastle and actually succeeded. Uh, I think that's a big turning point, like Nick said, that people are actually looking towards players in the MLS because he went to Newcastle and he actually looks like he fit in. You know, I mean, you could see other MLS players leave and maybe don't fit in quite as well, but that was kind of maybe one of those turning points. But moving on to what this show is based on, the main event, Premier League review from last week and Premier League recap, whatever you want to call it. There's the long, long wait with international break coming up, but we got some heck of good soccer the week before that. So first off, it started off, there is a very, I mean, very impressive Crystal Palace so far this season. Chelsea beat them 4-0. Chelsea, a team that's been struggling a little bit this season. What do you guys think about that game? Well, I got to say, you know, it, it's nice that some players, as I said last time, players that you're not expecting. Havertz, you know, Timo Werner been a little quiet. Um, ben Chilwell coming out with his first goal. And Kurt Zuma has been playing really well in center back. And I, I think he's winning his possession. And then same for Jorginho. You know, he scored the other two goals. And classic, you know, penalty merchant. You know, they call Bruno the penalty merchant. I don't know why anyone said doesn't say anything, Jorginho. <laughs> but, you know, I think it was a great performance. They outperformed these other good Crystal Palace team. And, and there's three points. In this Premier League, three points is proving precious already for like four match weeks in. So it's, uh, it's a good one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chelsea. I think for the first time this year, looked dominant over a, a solid, uh, very good Crystal Palace team like uh, Ethan mentioned. Uh, I thought something that was interesting was on the last penalty, I believe, uh, Tammy Abraham uh, wasn't too happy about not taking the penalty. And um, I thought that was just funny. But um, Ben Chilwell, uh, to me, he, uh, he was my underrated player of the week. I'll just say it. I thought his debut, he looked fantastic, scored a really nice goal um, and had an assist in the game. Uh, and I think uh, he's going he's gonna to prove to be a huge difference maker in the Chelsea team because, I mean, I think that he was probably the most important buy uh, over the summer for Chelsea. I mean, they already have so many attackers. They have abundance of attackers and midfielders. But uh, defense is where they lack. And I think while Ben Chilwell is more of an attacking fullback, uh, he's going to prove to be such a, such a huge difference in a team that uh, needs someone to possibly play out from the back, uh, can go forward, and can defend when he has to. So Chelsea did their job. 
and on a weekend where many of you of England's best completely collapsed or just didn't do their job, you gotta give you gotta commend them for that. I mean, they they now for those three points be big and just doing your job first off, especially in that second half. Fair play to Chelsea. I mean, they, they did what they had to do, but had their three points. I mean, move on. You know, that that's that's what you gotta do when you're playing a club with Crystal Ballast, especially the talent level Chelsea have. And for them to do that job, that's just something that they're gonna be carrying on with the nets. You know, it's just they ex- they probably expected to at least win, maybe maybe not put up four goals, which is fantastic, but I think the four goals does kind of show you the potential of where Chelsea's attack can go, and that is quite dangerous. Yeah, and I mean, talking about what Bosky said about Ben Chilwell, I mean, that's a huge upgrade on Marcus Alonso. Nothing against Marcus Alonso going forward, which is kind of interesting that Ben Chilwell was able to score an assist because there's no doubts that Marcus Alonso going forward is probably one of the best left backs in the league. But then his defensive abilities maybe is one of the worst left backs in the league. So that was always a weak point for Chelsea. So to be able to pick up Ben Chilwell is huge. And that's just, like Nick said, they did their job. Another team that's been doing their job and probably exceeding that, Everton, 4-2 against another impressive team in Brighton. Um, we might as well just go to Bosky for this because he's probably the biggest Hamas Rodriguez fanboy I know. Um, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I just uh, I really like the guy. Um, and he, was, he was fabulous again. I mean, he scored two pretty easy goals, but that's not really what I'm focusing on. It was – Again, his creativity on the in the final third, his passing. I mean, he's just he's just fantastic, and I think he's showing a lot of these clubs that maybe thought he was washed that that you know he's still here and he's still ready to play. Um, again, it was it was Everton just cannot stop scoring goals, and in the final third, it looks like they're going to score almost every single time. And I mean, again, did their job against Brighton, who are a weaker side in my opinion, but still a, a pretty hot side, as I would say. Um, but yeah, Everton, I believe they came from a goal behind to win this one too. So and not that it means much, because it was pretty early, but you know, they showed that they do have that heart. Um, and it just looks like they're having so much fun out there. I don't know if any of you guys have noticed that, not just in the celebrations, I'm just just when they're playing, it seems like they're just on the training ground, just you know, at the park. I mean, it just it looks really fun to watch. It looks it's fun to play it, obviously, with these players. And I'm just really impressed with what Everton's doing. I think they're going to surprise a lot of teams this year. Now, and, and, I mean, they already have. And I'm really excited to see the next game they play, which is obviously against Liverpool, which will be a tough game. Yeah, yeah. I think what you're saying is perfect. Uh, Everton, you know, is, 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 is showing a lot of, like, you know, fun playing. Ancelotti is bringing out a lot of excitement. And you notice this because, you know, a lot of players that we weren't expecting, as I said before, that's when you know a team is good, when – Players that you don't expect are showing up. I don't think anyone in the beginning of the season would have predicted the season that Calvert-Lewin is having, you know, between Premier League and EFL Cup. It's just, like, un- absolutely unreal. He's looking like R9, you know, prime <laughs> prime Ronaldo Nazario. <laughs> it's just a, a clinical finishing, great positioning, you know, strength, great heading. You know, it's just a, it's a long – pair that with James, pair that with Decore, you know, pair that with uh, – you know, Adinia on the left. And, uh, you know, I think for me, it would be nice for them to get a better goalkeeper than Pickford. And maybe, you know, let's see what goes on. I know they had Ben Godfrey on transfer deadline. He's a good uh, center back for the future. But 
you know, as he said, exciting team, really exciting team, and Liverpool games going to be good. Go back to when Pickford said that he wouldn't make mistakes after Allison messed up, and then, like, the next game, the next Merseyside derby, he hits it off the crossbar, and Dibar Ricci heads it home. Oh, just exactly. what a great goalie, man. <laughs> they they de- definitely need to – like, he – the only time I ever was like, whoa, this guy's really good was, like, when they first signed him. And the only thing that I really – like, I remember to this day what I thought about this guy was like, yo, this dude can, like, kick it the whole length of the field. And I was yeah, like, exactly. like yeah, that's all he can do now. Like, all he can do is just kick it really far. I mean, yeah, he was on a Sunderland team that got relegated, which is, like, baby season. And then after that, you know, he was obviously a good, you know, started bringing in the World Cup. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think he's better than Henderson and Nick Pope. He did have a good World Cup, to be fair. He did have a world, good World Cup. To be yeah, fair. yeah, yeah. I think it, the defense helped him out a little bit. Who would have thought? But, yeah, oh, God. We're not, <laughs> we'll get into that later. Nick, do you have anything to say? Yeah. Um, the, the addition of Alex Rodriguez and Cowardly when playing well, Nick makes this team one of these super dangerous teams. I know a lot of Premier League teams have good attacks, but if every team gets going, they can easily get right on up there with uh, some of the big six. And they're doing it with players that don't nearly have the kind of uh, name recognition outside of Rodriguez. Uh, they might think. I mean, Howard Legwin or Carlson, they've sort of made their names in Everton for, for the last few years. And we have their midfield of Stevenson, Decore. I mean, this is a team that can be dangerous. I mean, this is a team that we could easily be talking about as trying to get into that Europa League place. I mean, this you got, you've got to be careful with Everton this season. You, you just have to. You cannot underestimate them. I think they're hoping for one of Europa League at this point. You know, yeah, they're sure. the, the, a, a, very, a real threat. And there are also, some remnants of Leicester 2015, if you ask me. I don't know that much. They're also – they seem like – like They seem like we'll they're – We'll see what happens this weekend. You know what I mean? Like, they seem like – sometimes teams like this, they'll build like this, and then it's like one season. And But this team seems like it's going to be past this season. You know, it just seems like they're building something special. Rather than I mean, Leicester was, Leicester was definitely past the season, and they needed. No, that yeah, was, yeah. I'm just saying, like, I, I don't think they're going like this season. Like, this is they're going to be good this season because they made the right signings. But they're looking at two, three years from now, legitimate title contenders type deal. Yeah, who knows? At this rate, I could not even see what the, what's happening this season. Yeah. You know? well, uh, just before we go on to the next thing, I just want to say, like. I feel like every year it's so funny that we say, oh, this is going to be Everton's year. I mean, look at the players that they got. You know, I mean, this year, oh, and then now it's actually like, oh, well, maybe this is the year that they finally break out of the mid-table mediocrity and become one of those teams that just shocks the Premier League. I mean, yeah, they look fantastic. I don't know about me. I don't know if I said that it was their year last year. I mean, they, they signed Alex Awobi, like – I don't think anyone was like, oh, they're title contenders. But I will say, none of you guys said his name, but Allen in the midfield is an absolutely amazing. Allen, yeah, like, Allen, yeah. When I saw that he was going to Everton, I was honestly shook. Like, at that point, I was like, all right, Everton aren't messing around. Like, they, act, they got this guy to come to their club. Like, they must be building yeah. something that's special. But moving on, another team that seems to be building something special, Leeds United. 1-1 against Nick's own Man City. <laughs> it was a heck – honestly, it was a heck of a game. Like, for a 1-1 draw, that's about as entertaining of a 1-1 draw as you get. 
But I'll stop talking. Nick, go ahead. Yeah, we got we at least got one more point to Liverpool and United, so I don't know what you guys are freaking cheering about. Uh, actually, we we beat Leeds when we played Leeds. Just one barely. We yeah. still beat them. we. St- I'm sorry. Did we get three points? Whatever. Um, <laughs> crickets. <laughs> you know, performances like these is exactly what is going to make. When, whenever, whenever this table gets uncluttered, let's, let's, just, let's just point that out. Whenever this table decides to, like, unclutter itself and get back to normal, because this currently table is about as cluttered as some of y'all's apartments. <laughs> this, when it, whenever that table gets uncluttered, this is what's going to make this race not close. Before before you go on, is your apartment cluttered or no? Because you said y'all's apartments. What about yours? Yeah. No, like I, I actually keep this pretty clean. Like, I mean, there's some stuff on the floor, but I mean, it's not uh, too bad. Uh, <laughs> it's not too bad at all, actually. All right, all right. So yours is a normal Premier League table. All of ours is this year. Sorry, right, continue. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Uh, but I digress. The point here is, is that. These are the types of teams that City need to be beating. I don't care if it's by one goal or ten goals. These are the kinds of teams we need to be beating. And the fact that Leeds beat us in possession, they beat us in the past success percentage, that's not good. That's bad. And, and, that's, and that's saying for a team that is normally getting like 60 or 70% possession and we normally like lose, it's just Whatever. Oh, I just, it's just, it's just, it pains me. The inconsistency, if we want to be a legitimate threat to win the title, has got to, like, the consistency's got to be there. This inconsistent stuff, uh-uh. I don't like it. Not a fan. Not a fan at all. And if we're going to try to compete for the Premier League title going forward, we got to be consistently winning because inconsistency is going to kill any chance. City have of taking back the Premier League title. Yeah, although I just want to say, I, this may be going on in a limb, but I mean, I think Leeds United, like, I think that's not a, a win that all these teams are, I mean, yes, they were the first, they were pro- newly promoted, but I don't think this is going to be an easy win for any team. I think this is a very, very good side that's very well coached. Um, I mean, by one of the le- one of the most legendary coaches there's ever been in the history of the sport. I mean, I think that this team can go really far. I think they're going to they're going to finish mid table to upper, uh, probably around like seven, eight, maybe, maybe like Sheffield United did last year. I seriously think that, I mean, this team is competing with the likes of Liverpool city. I mean, they've looked really good against them in spots and look like they belong in this league. I think this is going to be a tough win for any of these teams. I mean, after the game, I mean, I'm sure you guys saw the video, but, I mean, Guardiola congratulating uh, Belisa after the game. I mean, he recognizes that this is not just any ordinary team that just got promoted. This is a team that's coached by one of the greats of the game. So I'm really excited to see where this team goes, and I'm, I'm rooting for them. Yeah, I think it's uh, – I can speak, you know, also, again, from Argentine's perspective, they're so excited to see Bielsa in the Premier League because this is someone that's idolized, uh, yeah, has an idea of, of football that, you know – Belsismo, uh, you know, it's something that they respect his ideology a lot. And seeing him now use this in the Premier League and 
his lead seam is like really just like a, it's like almost like a cookie cutter like perfect fit to the idea that he wants to have in terms of the players and the, the aggressiveness that he wants they're responding to what the what he wants this has been a process for three years third year now so i think that you know he and leads have everything you know to try and qualify for europa league it's a long again long season but you know never say never yeah and i mean i i think i agree with all of what you guys are saying this team is exciting to watch and they're good two things one i'm not i don't know if i'm sold on them against like lower table teams i think we've seen them against higher table teams and they clearly can cause problems but i think what really makes the deal make or break for teams that are coming up or supposed lower table teams would be to beat those lower table teams but i think they're going to be able to do it and two it could i don't think it will because of how dangerous it is but it could cause teams that come up to try to play more attacking if they show that it can be possible and it can be successful. But I don't know because it's kind of risky. We saw Norwich do it last year and they were dead last. So it's a risky game to play, but Leeds are showing that it's possible you can do it. Next up, Newcastle three, Burnley one. Um, I mean, that was, it, it was a pretty interesting game, but um, I'll let you guys talk about it. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch this game live. I watched some of the highlights watching back and I just looked at over the stats and I mean, like Newcastle have been one of those teams that's really surprised me this year. I mean, I didn't think they were going to be, I thought they were going to be relegation zone. If not, I mean, close to that. And I mean, they've really surprised me. They pulled out some pretty big wins that early that they did not pull out last year. And I mean, teams like Burnley who are probably in a similar boat as Newcastle as far as just talent. I mean, they're clearly looking like a team that's going to compete. And what, one thing I do notice, even watching through highlights and just um, reading about stuff about Newcastle, they really, they really play their hearts out. And I mean that in, like, the best way. Like, they play till the final whistle, and they leave it all out there on the pitch. And that's something you got to admire. And so far, it's led to, led to a lot of goals this year compared to last year, how they started. So it's really exciting to see a team like Newcastle with players like St. Maximin, who's, who are just absolutely fabulous, playing so well. And honestly um, – I think teams like Burnley are going to be similar to that they should be beating. And so far they've proved that they can. Yeah. As you said, same like, same like, same like, same mean, you know, Newcastle is, was a historic team, historic team, you know, had players like Shearer back in the day, a huge stadium and really just fell off and, you know, oscillated between the champions league and premier league. So for, for a few years, so now to see that they have players like Callum Wilson, Saint Maximine, you know, uh, Dubravka in goal, and obviously Darlow has been, uh, we spoke about him last week, has been playing really well. But they had a great, you know, transfer window this summer, got in a lot of players on free, and I think that they have what it takes to stay up in the Premier League, which is, I think, all they need this season. And it does seem like Newcastle has been building over the last two years or so, with Jolington coming in, St. Maximin. You do see some of the pieces being brought in over the course of time. And sooner or later, I think we'll get the fruits of the labor for, for Newcastle. And I know I mentioned Leeds earlier. When Leeds and Newcastle were in the Premier League, it, the league's better off for it. When they're both playing well, the league's even better off for it. And I think we're starting to finally see a couple of big clubs I mean, Leeds and Newcastle, I mean, they're no joke. I mean, these are clubs that they have a loyal fan base. These are two clubs that we can consider big clubs outside of the big six. 
And so to see these teams playing well, I think that's so much better for the league, really. Definitely. And, I mean, this team, like you said, I think Alvin touched on them. Same accident. I mean, that, that dude is sensational. And for him to be playing at Newcastle is a big coup. And then Callum Wilson is probably one of the best signings of the transfer window just because of how much they needed goals. And he's just a clinical goal scorer. And he's already shown it in his time at Newcastle. Go ahead, Bosky. I just want to say, um, uh, I mean, I think Newcastle, they've been on the up and up, I guess you could say, over the last couple of years. I mean, any team run by Mike Ashley is probably going downhill very quickly. And I think it's, it's been, it's been uh, nice to see them succeed, especially after all that, um, the, the, the drama with the ownership takeover and everything. I mean, you, a lot, this, that could have been, I think, something that could have broken this club. And it could have been complete chaos, like it was uh, years ago um, when they went down to the championship and stayed there for a bit. And now they're back. So it's nice to see a team like that uh, take this in stride and just continue uh, moving forward. Yeah, for sure. All right, next up, really surprising performance for a second week in a row from West Ham. They beat Leicester City 3-0. Bowen scored again, and Leicester City looked strong this season, and now they're losing to West Ham. Is West Ham actually this good? This, is, this I think, was one of the biggest shocks for me this season, only because it kind of, you know, after we talked about the game against Wolves, and that was one game for, for West Ham that was a complete shock, and they just got, you know, destroyed. And now Leicester coming off the back of a 5-3 victory against Man City, uh, uh, 5-2, sorry, and it was, a com- you know, another destruction. You know, Leicester was not out there, and it seemed like, well, you know, as I said, Jared Bowen, I've been telling you, you know, I like this kid, and he is performing for West Ham. He's really, you know, taking on a role as a creator and that, that you know, attacking third specialist. You know, and I think it's good. West Ham lost Felipe Anderson on deadline day, so they're going to need someone new to try and keep them up. We'll see where this takes them, but it's pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. And I, th- I remember last year uh, when we were doing the podcast, I remember uh, we were talking about West Ham is one of these very talented teams that just doesn't look good. And I think finally they're starting to put it together. And it's really, it's really, really fun to watch. I mean, I did not – I mean, I'm not going to lie. I did not expect them to be this good at all. I mean, they've beaten back two teams that are – you know, they're European competition-level teams. And they've just destroyed them, like Alvin said. And it's been – it's been just – unbelievable to watch especially because this is the club that was fighting relegation all year last year with with a team that probably should not have been fighting relegation as far as talent so I mean it's just amazing to see back-to-back clean sheets as well so the defense is doing their job it's just been an amazing amazing year so far for West Ham I hope they can keep it up yeah it's just been weird in the last few years to see West Ham just like not perform it's just been very weird because like West Ham's like they seem to have the pieces together to where if they should be able to at least they're going to have a table finish. In the last few years, it hasn't quite turned out that way. And a win like this could catalyze them. Uh, I, I'm not too high on West Ham going forward. I think this, this is a great win. And I think they need to take the momentum from this and build off of it. But I, I'm not quite sure they'll be able to do so. It's like they have the talent. It's just – can they play consistency consistently well? And that's just something we haven't seen in West Ten the last few years. If this catalyzes something big, then going forward, watch out. But I, just, I don't know. I think an international break may uh, 
take a little bit of momentum from that win away and maybe revert West Ham a little bit back to uh, something we used to see in the last years. And that, quite frankly, isn't good enough. And, I mean, it, it is, does have to be asked. I mean, no one knows if this is actually the reason, but David Moyes has been at home or in the stands, not actually on the sidelines. But if that has an effect on the team, you know, who knows? Is David Moyes the problem? We'll never know until he comes back and they start losing again. All right, next game. Southampton 2, West Brom 0. Danny Ings didn't score. Southampton still won. What do you guys think? Classic uh, Ralph. Hoffman Hudelino performance. He gets victories out against the uh, you know teams that are I think closer in, in performance. They were also struggling you know in the beginning of the of the season, and these are three points that propel them up you know kind of mid table. They're no longer thinking about fighting in the, in the lower half of the season, and you know they have a hard game against Chelsea you know next week, so they need to get points like that wherever they can. Yeah, for sure. I think. For a team like Southampton, a team that really relies only on one striker, one striker only. It was nice to see them not rely on, him, rely on him as much, although it was against a very weak side in West Brom. I think we can all agree West Brom are surely going to get relegated. <laughs> um, I know it's only – I know it's very early, but they really don't. They I, I would have much rather – I would have much rather seen um, – uh, what, what was the team? Uh, Brentford. Brentford was built in the and they did. They uh, it was very unlucky they didn't make it, but I mean, again, it's two 0 against West Brom. It's a solid result, the result they needed. But again, this was a game that they easily could have, easily could have uh, drawn, maybe dropped points. Um, but it was nice to see they didn't rely as much on Danny Ings, although they did feed him the ball a lot. Yeah, it's good to see that Southampton isn't having to rely on Danny Ings for all of their goal scoring. And what you're saying is about West Brom being bad. I think Fulham might be worse, to be quite frank. Um, I'm not necessarily sure if I see West Brom as a team that is for sure getting relegated quite yet. I just saw you know, that Fulham team that just, just says, like, I, I, we'll talk about Fulham here in a little bit, but good win for Southampton, good three points. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing there was Danny Ings didn't score and they still won, which almost seemed like it was impossible last year and even the early, I mean, what, three games this year. But talking about what Nick said, Wolves beat Fulham 1-0. Fulham and West Brom are both teams that look like they're headed down uh, this early in the season. It's kind of hard to say that already. But, um, I mean, one thing I will say, kind of going back to the West Ham game, maybe it's because there's not fans, but it almost seems like attacking soccer or attacking football, whatever you want to call it, it's almost given more positives right now. You know, like you're given – it's, it's giving more benefits. You know, it seemed like in years past, like maybe the likes of Jose Mourinho or other types of managers, before Pep came in, attacking football wasn't necessarily like how you were going to win games. And now it seems like, I mean, you look at Everton, you look at West Ham, Leicester City, of course, they didn't do it this week, but Liverpool, Man City, all these teams are attacking and reaping the benefits. Wolves, maybe not so much, but they did seem to in the past, but Wolves won, Fulham zero, Pedro Neto with the goal, kind of what Nick said, Fulham are just looking pretty abysmal this year. Kind of surprising Wolves only scored once. Yeah, I mean, Wolves just look, they they look, I don't I don't know what happened to them uh, <laughs> yeah. in the last few months, but they do not look like the same team that was tearing up the Premier League uh, last season. I mean, in, in a little bit into the break, I mean, they, they, they seem to struggle a bit during the break, um, last year, but nothing of this nature. I mean, they won 1-0 for Fulham. 
is unacceptable for a team that wants to be playing in European competition. Um, I guess the one bright spot is uh, Nelson Semedo. He looked pretty good. Um, and that's, I guess that's all I can really say because Nelson Semedo, I mean, the last time I really watched him, I was in tears. Um, <laughs> he put in against Bayern Munich. So I guess it was nice to see that he still uh, cares about the game and played it. He had a pretty solid game, but overall, I mean, there's no way Wolves should be winning this game 1-0, um, especially for a team like Fulham. I mean, this, it's just disappointing to see how they played thus far. And I think just to add, I, I agree with you, Mike, completely. Wolves uh, is a team that is really exciting. It was always really exciting. You go into Premier League thinking they're going to, you know, uh, make a big Im impact. They had a pretty good transfer window, brought in some big names, of course, went out all out again with the Portuguese players. And so far, you know, it's surprising, you know, um, we can't really put a finger on what has changed. Uh, but Nuno Espirito Santos is going to have to work with what he has. And I think that this is just a blunder in the beginning of the season. Shortly, I predict they're going to get back on track because a good team, they – proved already that they have it. I think when you get back on fitness, you know, start gelling again, get some points under, and they'll be set. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the Wolves, the only thing that really changed was Diogo Jota, which I don't think is that big of a difference for this team when you can stick in Podence or you can stick in Pedro Neto, who scored against Fulham. But like you said, I think it's just the beginning of the season. Something happened that they're just not starting off quite the same. They have too much talent, and they played too well to not continue to do what they've been doing. Um, next game, someone that hasn't looked good and maybe won't look good. I'm not sure if they'll ever come back. Sheffield United lost 2-1 to Arsenal. Mikel Arteta continues to get wins. Nicola Pepe, Bukayo Saka with the goals. What do you guys think? Uh, I thought it was a, a solid Arsenal performance. Uh, they looked, obviously, a lot more clinical in the second half. Uh, and that's, I think, I believe where they scored both their goals. Uh, Hector Bellerin was, was very, very good. And that's a player who I always thought had the potential and had the attributes to become a, a star in this league, but really for the last couple of years has not put it together. He's just, something's been off. But I mean, for the last six months, he's looked really, really good. He looks like he belongs in the top six side, especially like Arsenal and Pepe. I mean, what a fabulous goal he had opening up his body, putting it into the far post corner. Uh, that's what you love to see from a player who they acquired last year. And we had so much, so many high expectations for him. Uh, he looked really good. But I thought, uh, to me, the player of the game was Bellerin. He, he just looked unplayable on that right-hand side. I think this, these last couple of days really showed the intentions for Arsenal, um, which I think Arsenal fans should be buzzing. You know, winning against Sheffield United, you know, they got three points. They're in fourth place. Uh, you know, they're showing that they're fighting in top four, and who knows if they can make it. But so far, Nikola Teta is a very promising manager, and he's proving it. Uh, you know, promising players like Saka, uh, Pepe, you know, always gets hate. Always people talking, you know, on his name. And then he'll show, you know, some beauty. You know, score a beautiful goal, great assist. And that's how he always is. You know, I think important for Arsenal. And then the deadline day signing of Tomas Partey, which I think is just, uh, I didn't think it was going to happen at all. I must be honest. It, they're, they're, that was their main target. It seemed like it was going to fall through and they put the, the money through 50 million. I think uh, Arsenal fans should be really excited what's to come. Like Zach what Alvin said, Arsenal, they seem to finally be taking some of the steps necessary to turn them from banter FC 
to someone that can actually get into top four. I think they are finally taking their steps. I'll keep it out by an Arsenal Shores. I get my popcorn for the next two games. <laughs> All right, so that's about that. I mean, you guys said everything that needs to be said for that. So we'll move on to two of the craziest, I mean, back-to-back, probably the two craziest games I've ever witnessed to happen back-to-back. We'll start with Alvin because it happened first. Manchester United won, Tottenham six. I'm, I'm excited to hear this. I'm not going to lie. I'm excited <laughs> to see what Alvin has to say. You know, it's a, it's a long life that we have to live. We have to know the things we have to cherish and value and the things that you have to not care so much about. United plays with you, you know. I get my computer, wake up early morning, let's do this, you know. By the time I turn my computer on, I see Bruno, hands on his hips, you know. And it's just like, beautiful. This is exactly what we need. Exactly what we need. Hands on hips, sluts at home. You know, I was with a friend, also United fan, celebrating, you know, jumping up and down. It's going to be a good day. You know, I think that... I don't know. I can't. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. This is a club that's slowly being burnt in flames. That's what I see. A great history and it's slowly going up into flames. And it's not all these faults. It's not the players' faults. It's all the greedy directors and all the greedy uh, Ed Woodward who are taking away from, you know, thousands and thousands of fans. I was in pain that I had to watch that that thousands of United fans had to watch that match. Watch that with their own eyes, waste my time. You know, people have lives to live. I'm sure people were working, maybe had an important job, could have made money. They chose to watch that. Boom, two hours of their life gone that they can never get back. It's a disgrace. So, you know, I'm gonna take a little break from this team. I don't care about Newcastle. You know, they knew we talked about Newcastle. Newcastle is a good team. I don't need to know what happens in that game. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to get the rest I need. I'm not going to wake up whatever, 4.30 in the morning for that again. Because, you know, this club uh, continues to disappoint me. Uh, you know, we know Jaden Sancho, no Sergio Reguilon, no Upamecano, no Grealish, nothing. We didn't get anything we wanted. That's all I have to say. Uh, luckily, Edison Cavani is coming to Manchester United. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay, no, no, no. Uh, I'm not even, I'm not really like sign off right now. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I'm done. I'm done. No more. <laughs> all right. we'll, we'll move on to the next game because I think that's all. We Wait, do. no, no, no. I want to say, I want to say, let, me, let me say one thing. No, no, seriously. Like this is. I'm not trying to Go talk ahead. about Cavani. Go ahead. I'm not, this is a legitimate. Like, okay. Um. I thought the red card was a bit hard. I, I, th- I don't think it should have been a red card. Of course. That was, that uh, was, I thought that was a bit harsh. And I, I will say, while Tottenham just from then that moment on just took the game by storm, I mean, good for them. I mean, I think what, what probably made it worse was that Jose Mourinho did that to Manchester United. But, I mean, on to Tottenham's uh, – I mean, they've been playing really well recently. And, I mean, Harry Kane, I mean, he's showing why, in my opinion, he is the best out-and-out striker 
in England. He's been the, he's been the best out now stri- uh, striker in England for a while now. But he and Son, I mean, the connection they've had this year has been just incredible. I mean, they're I have never seen Harry Kane pass the ball like he's been passing. I've never seen Son be scoring goals and passing like he's been doing. I mean, he, it's just incredible to see what they put together. And when Bale finally gets put into this team, I feel like Bale will be rejuvenated after seeing a performance like that and really give the Premier League the best he can give. I think Tottenham, like I said last week, will challenge for top four. And nothing like a performance like this will get them going. I mean, and on United's side, wow, this was, this was shocking. I, I, seriously, I seriously couldn't believe it. I'm, I mean, this is a side that I thought was going to be challenging for, you know, they were going to be up there with Man City this year. I thought they were really going to take that next step. And, boy, have I been wrong so far. I mean, they look – they, they look shocking. I, I really, I can't, I, I don't know what Pogba is. Do Pogba looks like he doesn't even want to be there. Oh, God. Uh, God. No one on the defense knows what they're doing, nor looks like they even want to defend. Um, I don't even want to get started oh. on the defense. We could have an entire show based on the defense. And, um, I mean, honestly, I just felt bad for De Gea. I mean, he, he didn't have a great game, but he, I mean, he was just watching the ball go past him one, two, three, four, five, six times. I mean, that cannot be fun. And, you know, Alvin, I've been there as a Barcelona fan, okay? I've, I've been in the depths of some awful defeats. And I know what it's like to get your team just completely run over by greed. But, I mean, who knows? Who knows where United goes from here? I, thought, I mean, this has just been awful. All right. So, this is obviously a, a, a big topic of discussion. We have like seven, eight minutes left. So, we're going to move on. Maybe we talk about it some other time. I don't know. But we'll move on to – Someone, another, some other team getting destroyed. Um, Aston Villa beating defending champions, Liverpool, uh, defending champions. Thank God. Thank but, uh, God that that happened. Somehow, the game we just talked about was not the headline of the weekend. So, um, yeah, it happened. Um, because we don't have much time, I'll just, you know, go the simple route. It was a fluke. I don't think this was I, – I think the United game was at the end and it showed big flaws in, like you said, greediness at the top. The club seems to be having problems considering where they went in the transfer window. I, I just – I think this was more of just one of those days for Liverpool. Is that a positive bias? Maybe. I don't know. But there were three of the goals that were deflections. The game started with our backup goalie just deciding to pass it to Aston Villa. Maybe he's colorblind. Maybe he doesn't know the difference of colors. I don't know. Um, but, you know, he pulled a Keppa, um, decided to do that, and it went downhill from there. And it just seemed like a fluke. I, I can't take too much from it. I'm honestly not that panicked. I laughed at the, I laughed at the game. I wasn't in pain. I laughed at it because there was nothing else to do other than laugh at the fact that Aston Villa scored seven goals on us. <laughs> it's true. No, I, I mean, you know what they say, you'd rather lose one game 7-0 than lose seven one zero games. You know, that's so, probably a good point. You know, that, that, uh, you know I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that to heart. Thanks, man. I like that one. No, no, no. And, and I, I, like, I'm not going to focus much on Liverpool. I think they'll be back. I mean, I, I seriously think this was a fluke. Although, while there was three deflection goals, like you mentioned, there were three or four chances that should have been put away. Oh, don't get me wrong. I mean, it, Absolutely. Yes, and I, and I want to I focus on one player and one player in particular, and that is Jack Grealish. I mean, he was truly unplayable. I, I mean, I mean that in the truest sense. I mean, the creativity he has, 
his goal scoring, his passing. I mean, Liverpool did not know what to do. I mean, he looked even a step above some of the midfielders on the Liverpool on Liverpool, who are some of the best in the Premier League. I mean, if I was, I mean, just talking about the national team, I mean, England have to be excited about this guy. I mean, this, England is lacks creativity in the midfield. They lack a playmaker. And Jack Bruce, I believe, is that playmaker who can possibly bring this England team to great heights and lead them on. I mean, he was just amazing. And especially against a team like Liverpool, who are just so, so good defensively. I mean, he looked like he was in another world. I don't know if that's a fluke. Who knows? But he just looked amazing. I just have to point that out. All right. Yeah, so I let's, think, yeah, let's, no, let's quick fire this because we've got almost no time. We would talk about this for decades if we could. But let's quick fire players of the week and underrated players of the week. My player of the week was uh, Jack Grealish. I feel like some of you guys – Bosky probably has that as well. Yes. For obvious reasons. Bosky had Jack Grealish. Alvin, who did you have for player of the week? I chose Ollie Watkins. You know, I don't think we could go away from this asking the team. Uh, wonderful positioning, great finishing. This is championship uh, MVPs, so I was really happy to see him playing. And for underrated player of the week, uh, I chose Serge Aurier. You know, he scored a wonderful goal. He is a player that's just, a, I think, really not special player, a weak player, a player that Tottenham's been trying to get rid of. He started over Doherty, and he's looked like the player that I think uh, five to six years ago we all thought he was going to be. You know, a really fast, strong, offensive right back. Um, and so uh, I think I got to show him some love for that. Nick, player of the week and underrated player of the week. Uh, I went with Grealish. Um, he was something else. I underrated. Um, I'm going, I went with uh, Kortsuba. Uh, I think he was someone who played really well in that Chelsea back line. And contributions as well as on offensively the goal, I think he had one of the better weeks of any of the center backs in the crowd. All right, Bosky, underrated. Uh, I think I said earlier, I went with Ben Chilwell, another uh, Chelsea player. I thought, hey. especially for his debut and a lot of expectation coming from that signing, I thought he played, you know, as best as he possibly could. I mean, that was one of the, his best performances in the last few years, obviously. And I thought, you know, it just brings a lot of promise to Chelsea. All right, he picked Ben Chilwell. I did Alan St. Maximon because he was just integral to Newcastle and what Newcastle were doing. Um, moving on, transfer of the window. I said Emiliano Martinez for Aston Villa. Alvin, who do you have? Arthur to oh, – oh, I didn't realize there was an EPL, but later on uh, I'll get to that. Of course, for me, I think uh, to get uh, – for Chelsea's signing, um, Timo Werner for the price that they had, uh, a wonderful striker to add because they needed that number nine. All right, Nick? Uh this will be something that surprised you guys, but I think that United trying to upgrade their fullbacks was something that a lot of other teams didn't try to do. And if Tellez works out, brilliant move for United actually trying to do something with their fullbacks. All right, Bosky. Um, I, I as well want Timo Werner, mainly because the price they got him at and the quality of player. I mean, it was a steal in my opinion. He's going to be a fantastic player for years to come. All right, worst transfer. Me and Alvin had the same Cavani to Man U. Nick? I didn't really think about the uh, transfers too much. Um, just seems like there's just, you know, you know, he's can't ever know. It's like, shoot, 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 shoot. It's just crazy. But 
I think that I mean, you can say what you want about City and their spending, whatever amount they spend on center backs, they just go crazy. What uh, is it a little too much at times? Probably, but I think we got to give that some time yet before we sort of uh, evaluate whether Ake and, or Diaz tr- truly did their work because if not, it's just another 100 million pounds gone, and that's that's the city of City fan wants. All right, Bosky. I also had to go with Edison Cavani. I mean, I, there's really nothing much to say. Uh, old, past his prime, and one of the only things United doesn't do. <laughs> and here's the thing. Hey, come it's on. Not that he's not Especially to give that number seven jersey that Sancho is going to wear is just cruel. It's, so, not, it's not that he's not going to score goals. It's just the fact that that's who they ended up getting. And, like, it just yeah, it's desperate. It's desperate. So, banter of the week, we can do these really quick fire because we have, like, a couple seconds left. I had Harry Maguire literally pulling down Luke Shaw in his box for Tottenham to score. Bosky? I, I, I actually – I was about to say that. I'm not – like, oh. I, was, I was literally watching some today, and I was like, oh, my God, that's the most Harry Maguire thing I might have ever seen. Uh, 76 million pounds. Just got to put it up. <laughs> All right, Alvin. Um, for me, it was Adrian's blunder in the first goal, and I think it was interesting to add that – Aston Villa pretty much had an identical – Emmy Martinez almost gifted an identical goal like that. So, it was, uh, you know, not the best day for keepers maybe. And we'll end it on Knicks. Yeah, my Twitter banner of the week, uh, Tottenham's Europa League playoff opponent, and the Aifa FC, said on Twitter, Hi, at Man United, seems that we caught Axe first official in the wrong week. You're called Tottenham battered the uh, Israeli squad 7-2 the Europa League playoff, and now United – well, if we're talking about <laughs> seven, two score lines, it sounds like they can have someone else share it with them too. But for us, that is um, it for banter o'clock this edition. Hope you guys liked it as always come for the banter and stay for the knowledge.